This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we are glad to have you on board for episode number 39. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And we just had another week of WWE TV coming off of the Survivor Series pay-per-view. We're about a week removed from that. And we're starting to see a build towards Clash of Champions over on SmackDown. And Raw is going to kind of spin in its wheels right now. We've got Roman Reigns as our new IC champ. He did some stuff. We've got some things to discuss this week. A little bit of a slower week in WWE, but luckily we also have the Wide World of Wrestling segment this week. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about outside of the main two shows that we got to get into later in the show. Yes, absolutely. So stick around. After we get done with WWE, we're going to be talking about NXT, New Japan, NWA has some hot news going on, so... Stick around, but before we get into that stuff, let's head over and talk about the big news. So as we said, Roman Reigns is your new Intercontinental Champion, and it's a good way to get a champion on TV on the regular. Uh, they should have done this with Miz, I thought, but uh, you know, Roman Reigns, obviously they want to make it uh, seem a bigger deal, and since your Universal Champ doesn't deign to come on TV <laughs> unless he's got a match in an upcoming pay-per-view, right. uh, this is going to have to do. Uh, and they did something this week that smells a little bit reminiscent of John Cena, and that is a Roman Reigns said, you want some... Come get some. Uh, excuse me. He said, uh, if you're in the back and you want my IC title, just come on out and fight me. Right. Uh, he, does, he didn't do John Cena's line. Uh, but I, I, I question uh, whether or not the Intercontinental Open Challenge is a little too similar to John Cena's uh, U.S. title Open Challenge, which I ultimately thought was a successful uh, endeavor. I thought that was a good way for him to get himself a little bit more legit with all the hardcore wrestling fans. And it was a way to show a bunch of guys they didn't normally see in matches with John Cena. It was a good program altogether. Uh, The question is, is that going to work with Roman Reigns? And we saw that on this week on raw, the first challenger was uh, Elias, which was an interesting choice for the, for the first challenger. What did you think of it so far? Well, I think this was certainly a, a, a kind of a carbon copy of that, but at the same time, I think it's a good thing because Roman Reigns, if they're going to do that, first of all, I want to say mission accomplished. Roman Reigns is over. The crowd is cheering for Roman Reigns. They're cheering more than they were. There was still a healthy amount of boos. And, and but it's not that roar that it was three three to six months ago. No, they, they are in kind of the heartland, though. They were in, I believe, Kentucky this week or Tennessee. And, Lexington, and yeah. Lexington, Tennessee. Uh, SmackDown was in Kentucky. That's right. Uh, so they, they are still in kind of the heartland. They're not 
there, he's not getting cheered in Chicago yet. Let's put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Or Philadelphia. You know, we'll 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 see. That the, the jury is still out there, but he was getting chance. And there is something to be said for Elias being his first competitor, is his first contender for the Intercontinental Champion uh, Championship. This the reason that I thought was a smart booking decision was the same reason that the Miz was a smart booking decision to put against him for however long and get the Shield reformed was that Elias, much like Miz just naturally gets heat. Yes. And he had a couple of segments this week. Uh, one of them was a very long extended song segment where the Miz-tourage, now that they're now that Miz is absent uh, because of the powerbomb he took last week, quote-unquote, uh, the Miz-tourage has now aligned themselves with Elias. And they had this long segment where Elias played a song and pissed off the audience, as he normally does. And then the Miz-tourage started playing, well, quote-unquote, playing harmonicas and then wailing on these harmonicas, very uh, Blues Brothers-like. Right. Um, and the audience was just... Furious to the point that they started chanting, we want Roman. Well, half of them did. The other half said it chanted, no, we don't in response. <laughs> but there was a we want Roman chant. So there's something to be said for, you know, who they're choosing to put him against here. And that was a smart decision. Yeah, it was. And props to Elias. You know, this guy, this is, this is a guy who's been beating up Titus worldwide. And he just beat up Matt Hardy at the last pay-per-view and last week. Uh, he hasn't been doing much. But they've been keeping him looking strong on the lower card. And, you know, he's been kind of doing his thing on the side. And now he gets elevated and put into a main event with Roman Reigns. And and frankly, that was a good match. It, it was, was a fantastic well, match. Well-booked, well-worked match. Uh, Elias has a really good economy in the ring where he doesn't do a whole lot of fancy stuff, but then will bust out a couple of big moves that are really surprising uh, and 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 got and frankly the commentary put him over as well. Absolutely, I, I, we've been really high on Elias since he emerged into the main roster, and it's, it's one of those things where could is this the is it finally the time? Is is he finally getting that chance? It looks like it is. I don't know if this will turn into a long running feud, being a just an open challenge kind of thing, but and I don't know that it's even the right thing to do. But um, we ended up seeing you know Elias put up a good fight. Ultimately, Roman retains. Of course. But the interesting part of this match to me is what happened at the very end. And it's something we called this summer going into SummerSlam. Something we called last week. Yeah, and, and reiterated last week for sure. And it looks like we're going to get into a Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns feud. Yeah, after uh, after Roman put away Elias, uh, he goes walking up the ramp and Samoa Joe comes from behind, chokes him out with a Kina clutch. So we might be getting the Samoan feud yes. that was teased earlier this year. And, and Paul Heyman did a good job kind of building up the tension between them. In Even while they were going towards Brock Lesnar, you had Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns kind of being teased a little bit. So I, I think this is, as we said last week, is a very good option You know, of all the people to be going for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, I think this is also showing us that the open challenge was just a one-week thing. Yeah. I think we're going to go straight into Samoa Joe or... Joe will continue to interfere over the next week or two, and it's not going to be a long-running program. I, I don't. I think that kind of like what we said earlier, it is just too close to Cena and how he did it, and it it just won't work for Roman. Like yeah. a lot of things that yeah. Cena did, Roman's not Cena. You can't do the same things. Totally agree. The other thing that happened that was interesting was that after the better part of a year of getting. Uh, the Hardy Boys back onto the main roster in WWE. There's been this controversy surrounding the broken gimmick that uh, they were supposed to be able to bring over with them from TNA, but the there was a lawsuit and all these things going on. Well, finally, all of that got settled, and we got, I guess, what was the thing where he did five deletes? Okay, so here here's what happened. So Matt it Hardy, wasn't even on Hulu. Matt Hardy 
had a match with Bray Wyatt. And as you just pointed out, this match was not even shown on Hulu. This was only <laughs> if you watched it live. Poor Bray. Uh, well, he's right, he, he's right where he should be, in my opinion. Okay. Here's the thing. So Matt Hardy, after getting beaten pretty handily by Bray and put over by the announcers as having a bit of a losing streak lately and Jeff's out with injury. So Matt's feeling like he's about to have a breakdown or whatever, they, uh-huh. whatever it was they said. So at the end of this match, he's leaning against the ring post and he starts you know, convulsing and starts doing the delete thing. Now, here's the thing. As you said, the Matt, the Hardys have been back in the WWE long, the WWE, the WWE, All right, the Kurt WWE. Uh, man, I feel, I, I feel more like Sasha Banks now. I can't even say it. Uh, he's been back in the WWE along with Jeff longer than we've been doing this podcast. It's been since WrestleMania. Yeah. And they came back at the height of their popularity. They had gone on the expedition of gold, uh, as the broken characters and, and gone and, and fought the young bucks. And, you know, they, they went all around. They were very, very, very over with the broken gimmick that they had established in impact wrestling at the time. And the thought was when they would come back to WWE super hot and then go right into that gimmick. Well, obviously impact pulled some, you know, pulled that the lever on that and said, no, 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 we own the intellectual property. And as you said, they spent the better part of a year fighting this battle and, and having a war of words and a war on social media and all of these things, it's ended up having a really negative impact on impact because now, now the fans are thinking that they are uh, uh, going against the wrestler's best interests and the fans best interests by basically being petty and, and clinging onto this thing that they have no creative right to a legal right to certainly. And, and they definitely were within their legal rights to try and claim that they owned this. They wouldn't have been able to do anything with it. It was just kind of a petty move really to keep this intellectual property. Well, the problem is, is it's now it's been so long and Matt, I don't know out of sort of, you know, pettiness back or just passive aggressiveness has been teasing the delete sign. And a lot of the mannerisms of the broken Matt Hardy character since he's come back. And at first everyone loved it every time he did it. And it was really cool. We're like, yeah, but we kept waiting for him to actually, and WWE to throw the finger to impact or something to happen, something to break through Ed Nordholm, Ed Nordholm, the guy who owns impact or Anthem, I guess to, um, to actually say, okay, fine, you can go ahead and use it. And it never happened. It never happened. It never happened. And now finally, what's being reported is that, uh, that Impact and Ed Nordholm backed off. They, yeah. they backed off and said, we won't, you know, you can use it. We're going to create um, a, a, a new talent agreements that will, uh, I'm reading the quote now, uh, they, they said this to Sports Illustrated. Our new talent agreements all incorporate language that allow talent to continue to use their impact personas after they leave the company. We are working with our legal team to amend our existing agreements to extend this to all of our current and former talent. So that's their way of saying, okay, Hardy's, you know, fine, you can use it. Um, there's, there's two things here. And, and uh, it's, it, they're trying to save face. Um, but the problem is for them, I think it's too late. They, now they've, they've got the worst of both scenarios. They they can't use the 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 IP anymore, and they've already gotten the bad publicity and the bad press. So they lose either way here. Now they've lost both battles, and they're moving to Canada. And they're well, they've moved. Yeah, they're in Canada now. Uh, the other downside is that uh, look, you look at the reaction to Matt Hardy doing the delete 
motion and and looking like he's getting broken here in the ring and there was almost no reaction like five people it was it, it was a, it was a little more than five but it wasn't the the entire sea of hands waving that it was even four to five months ago yeah you know the, he has fallen so far in the company and and everyone's gotten a little bit burnt out on it because he's been kind of he's been teasing us for so long with it and we've been waiting anticipating it and now everyone's just kind of burned out so the question now is can WWE resuscitate this angle? Uh, are they going to give Matt Hardy the freedom to go out and do the insane goony shit that he was doing in Impact uh, and allow him to really kind of you know restart this uh, idea of his, this concept of his, and and go as out of the box and out of left field as a lot of the stuff was? Or are they going to try to put it in like the WWE version? Uh, will that have the same impact and power or will it be kind of like a nostalgia act and everyone won't really won't really uh, uh, feel it as much as they did well here's what i'll say to this is that the original video thing that they did in their backyard in their houses in north carolina their compounds that they have that was 100 percent financed set up put together filmed edited everything end to end by the hardy boys by matt hardy correct Impact had no involvement in the production of that, in the conceptualization of that, anything. What I'm excited about, to, to, to answer your point, is now they've got WWE backing. And if they can get Vince McMahon behind this idea of doing this gimmick and putting some funding and some effort and some creative behind it, holy shit, this could get really exciting. Is, is it going to be as good with Jeff out? No. And I, I think he's out till at least February. He's out of wrestling until around uh, March or April. But, that you know, he doesn't have to wrestle. He doesn't That's have to fair. be the wrestling brother Nero. He could just be like the brother, brother Nero that just stands there and looks crazy yeah. and not actually wrestle. So he could still be involved almost immediately. So at least, at least from that standpoint. The thing that you're saying, yes, they, if WWE is willing to just basically write them a check and let them go do what they want then yes, there is a possibility that they could make this exciting again. It is a bad sign that the audience has cooled off on it so much, and I don't think that's gone unnoticed by people in the back. Yeah. So the question is, are they going to take such a risk when it mm, doesn't look like it's as over as it once was? So this is, a, this, this is why it's part of the big news segment, is that part of the big news was that this wasn't bigger news. To me, and that's why I wanted to put uh, and talk about this now. Is this is a this is a big deal that it's not a bigger deal. Yeah, no, you know, I agree this, with you. This, if we had sat, had this news back in June, July, this would have been huge. You'd have seen this everywhere. Now, not so much, and it's a bummer. It's a bummer. I really do hope that, as you said, there is still a big possibility they could pull this out. But this was a bad sign this week. Uh, as far as fan interest. But they're going to have to start putting stuff on YouTube and Facebook, and they're going to have to start putting his matches on the Hulu versions. They're going to have to expose it. Well, they this can't is the bury thing. It. And, and, and especially if they're going to move it this quickly, where they go from not doing it at all to, man, he's almost all the way broken, or as he's now calling it, Woken, uh, the Woken Matt, Har- Matt Hardy, which just sounds like Elmer Fudd talking about the broken Matt Hardy, frankly, to me. <laughs> but it, this is the thing, is they're going to... I don't know if they should be doing it this quickly. Like if you have the rights to it, build it more slowly. Like he's been teasing this kind of stuff that he did this week for months. And anyone who wasn't aware of it is going to sit there and be like, okay, yeah, we've seen this before, Matt. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of put part of the blame on Matt Hardy for, you know, putting, pulling a lot of the stuff out before he had the rights to it. 
Or once he had actually could have could do it, all he did was sit on the ring and against a turnbuckle and do the delete symbol. Well, and not I, I don't mind really that being a, you know kind of a tease for it, but the problem is he's been teasing it for so long that no we're one cares now. We're yeah. numb to it, and it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember we were frustrated back in uh, August. I think we when he tweeted something out about, oh, it's time for my broken brilliance, and we were like, yeah, 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 sure it is. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's I, I'm worried people are burned out. Cry, cry wolf. Well, that's the big news for the week. Let's head over and find out everything else that went down on Monday Night Raw. So the other big thing to talk about with Raw is the angle currently going on with Kane and Braun Strowman. And I wish I wish this wasn't the main thing that we had to talk about this week yeah. on the show because even though this did end the show for the night, this was the, the big moment at the end of the third hour, which, as we've said before, isn't always the main event spot anymore. Yeah. Now it's kind of a, almost a throwaway. It's what used to be the second hour. Uh, but it was, it was a sequence of events that led to the continuation of the Kane-Braun Strowman feud. First, you had Jason Jordan whining about how last week he didn't get his proper chance with Braun Strowman because his knee gave out and he wants another shot tonight at Kane. And, of course, his dad, Kurt Angle, gives it to him. Uh, and then, of course, Jason Jordan comes out against Kane, and Kane throws him over the top rope, and the knee goes again, and Jason Jordan gets counted out. So you have two weeks in a row that Jason Jordan looks like a fool, which is a, a bad thing because the audience already was turning on him, and now he looks like a whiny kind of brat. Yep. And I, I you know, we, we speculated last week he might be going a little heelish with this, but to me it sounds more like the kind of stuff that WWE always does with baby faces where they just screw up baby faces. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to get the audiences on their side. Uh, that's just what it smells like to me. But uh, so Jason Jordan goes out of the match, starts getting beaten down by Kane. Finn Balor comes out to save him. And once again, Finn Balor gets sent away by Kane. Uh, they had a match. I guess the match actually got made uh, and he got in a little bit of offense, but then Kane goes outside the ring, hits him with a chair, match over disqualification and then he goes to kill Finn Balor when Braun Strowman comes back in and last week Kane beat Braun Strowman up with a chair and hit him in the neck and Braun couldn't breathe blah 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 so Braun comes out and proceeds to absolutely murder Kane now there's I, I'm setting aside Jason Jordan here we can talk about how the WWE screws up its baby faces another time what I want to discuss one is the continued, I don't want to say burial of Finn Balor because they did give him kind of an out on this where he was hit with a chair and he did technically win the match, but he, did, he didn't look good against Kane. They're making Kane look strong against Finn. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that's a good idea with someone who has the potential to be a superstar the way that Finn does, if he's not already, and they're making him look bad week after week after week. That's a, unless they have some bigger plan that I'm not aware of, this is, this is a bad decision. Uh, but then also the fact that we are continuing with this Braun Strowman feud with freaking Kane and the fact that the audience is rejecting it uh, as, as much fun as this beatdown segment was. And I, I believe you were a fan of the beatdown segment, the, mm -hmm. him, him beating him down. You love Braun Strowman. Absolutely. I love Braun Strowman. And, and to, to respond to your thing about Finn real quick before I go mark out about Braun. Um, I have a theory that I think there's just too many big dudes, especially on Raw right now. And I think it, it kind of overshadows Finn and his smaller stature to the, to an extent. And if you look at Brock Lesnar with the title, you got Braun Strowman. Now you've got Kane getting a big push. 
Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers just came back on SmackDown. They're, whatever you think of them, there is a kind of a big guy trend happening again. We're going through a cycle in the WWE of the big brute dudes uh, all the way down to NXT. It's happening with Lars Sullivan as well. So I don't know if there's a place for Finn at the top of this card right now with everybody being 250 plus. So that's what I want to say about Finn. I don't know where he fits. I think it would be fun to have him be a babyface against a bratty, heelish uh, Jason Jordan. I would not be surprised if they end up booking that because that's a nice way out for both of those guys to get out of the way of everything else that's happening at the top of the card right now. Maybe, but I think that's a terrible decision for both guys. I think that's going to just make... Sure. I, I think people are going to As opposed write to what off. they're doing now? Uh, yeah, actually, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to go on record and say this. <laughs> I would rather see Finn Balor fight upwards in a losing effort to Kane than have a whole series of matches with Jason Jordan, like a, a newly bratty heel Jason Jordan. I think that's a big step down for Finn if you do that. Now, that being said, I have no idea where Finn goes from here. I don't, you know, you can't put him back in a Bray Wyatt feud. Dear God, please don't bring that back. But uh, yeah, I don't know where else he goes on Raw or who else there is for him to to fight against. I'm not as worried about his stature. I mean, he's he's beaten Roman Reigns in a match before and looked sure. good against him. He's beaten he's had a bunch of matches with Samoa Joe, including one last week that was entertaining that he got choked out in, I might add, but that was a way to make Samoa Joe look like a killer. Uh but here's the thing. I is you make up a good you make a good point that WWE has always been about the really big dudes. It's the land of the giants. That's what it used to be called, right? Yep. And it seems like we are going back towards that uh, with guys like Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose who, you know, Dean's big. He's 6'4". Seth is 6'2", but they're a little slimmer guys. They're not giants. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, I, you know, Finn Balor, obviously on the lower side of that at, at, at what is he, 5'11", 6 foot, 195, I think. Oh, yeah. I think he's more than 195. But as but maybe maybe but he's definitely one of those guys that can because of his presentation the way he carries himself look good against bigger guys to a point, uh, and he can you know get in the ring with them. Obviously, there's a certain level of unbelievability at a certain point. But then I think back about Rey Mysterio, and it's all about how you build the match. And it's all about how you build the character. And yeah. Rey obviously had a bunch of ups and downs, uh, and times that they booked him better than others. But uh, you know Eddie Guerrero as well was not a tall guy. No, he's jacked. He was jacked. But yeah. he was not a tall guy. So I do believe there is a place for Finn. Uh, it's just a matter of how you book him. And, and, you know, if you can make matches where he's realistically able to fight upwards against bigger guys, it's possible. Well, I've said, I, you know, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole again, but you know where I think he should be. So let's have some fun and talk about Braun Strowman. Um, this was, as a Braun Strowman, full-on Mark... He's my favorite thing happening in all of WWE right now. It was very entertaining to see him basically get revenge plus one against Kane this week uh, with him putting the stairs in the uh, in the ring, hitting him in the throat with the chair, did it once and then did it again, got a power slam in on the stairs, all kinds of good stuff. And that's the kind of stuff. What scared me about Kane coming back is they were starting to put Kane over Braun a little bit. And now that we've seen this past week happen on Raw, I'm I, I'm sitting, resting peacefully that that is not what they're doing anymore. I don't want to see the Kane feud anymore. I don't. Kane needs to. I'm done with Kane. But the problem is he's not going anywhere. I know he's not. But I'm, I don't know I'm, where they go from here. I don't know where they go because he did stumble away through the audience. Uh, by the way, of the town, I believe that he's trying to become mayor of, or somewhere nearby there, somewhere in Tennessee, uh, Nashville, uh, Tennessee. No, yeah, 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 somewhere near there. But uh, the. The, the thing was, was that he 
limped away, but you know, live to fight another day kind of thing. Like this is going to continue. And as much as this week's segment made me hopeful that they might be able to make something out of this, this was a segment that felt like to me, it should be the end. Like when he put big show through the wall of the cage, cool. Send Kane away. He's done. Move him on to something else. I don't know what, but something else, anything else. I, yeah, I'm definitely sick of, of Kane being put over. And apparently the audience is too, because they love Braun Strowman, just like you do. And they were pretty dead for this whole sequence. And this is the kind of sequence that should get people should be freaking out. Like, oh my God, mayhem. And there's crickets. My last thing I'll say about Braun, and this is totally being objective, um, not being a mark for a second. They need to get a belt on that guy pretty quick. <laughs> That's the markiest thing you've Listen, said all day. No, no, I'm, I'm, because there, he, there needs to be some legitimacy. He has been one of the the most over things in the in on Raw, especially uh, in WWE for about a year now, and he hasn't had a title. So I'm, I want to see him get more opportunities at belts instead of having these little antics, sideshow monster versus something circus acts that have been going on. He, there needs to be some legitimacy there. From a wrestling standpoint, I think the only way that I'll agree with you on this, and I personally think that was absolutely not arbitrary. You don't need to have a belt on him because he is the monster. He, you know, that's that is he's the special attraction. You don't need a belt on him to make him more of a special attraction. Then the what only is way, Brock Lesnar's value? Only, boy, that's a whole other segment we could get is into. That, what you just described is exactly how I think of Brock Lesnar. But the, but well, the difference is is that Brock Lesnar also brings a realistic martial arts background, MMA background that that is bigger than just a guy being a big dude. Fine. That's a whole other level. That's again, that's a whole other Fair. segment. The thing with bra the, with uh, Braun and the re the only reason I could see to put a belt on him is just to b- back up the idea that he's unstoppable. If he is so unstoppable, what is to stop him from getting a belt? And the thing is you don't have to cross that bridge at any point. It's always there. You can always have a, a moment where, where Braun basically realizes, hey, no one can stop me. I want this belt or I want that belt. The problem is once you put him in those feuds, it, you have to make it somewhat inevitable he's going to get the belt or you have him beaten by Brock Lesnar like he was earlier this year and it looks bad for him. So if, until they're ready to, to put a belt on him, they don't need to. That's a good point, and and to be fair, it's it it would have to be something they were ready to commit to long term because how do you the, take it off the him? minute you put a belt on him, you have to figure out how to take it off of him without killing him. Exactly, and it's the same thing we were saying last week about Oscar because you know you can't give her the championship until you figure out how you're going to get it off of her because they didn't know how they were going to get it off of her in NXT, and look what happened. <laughs> she kept it for five hundred and twenty something days. Yep. And speaking of Asuka, she did have a match this week against Dana Brooke. I call it a match only in the sense that the bell rang twice and someone won and someone lost. But it was one of the fastest matches I think I've ever seen. It might be the fastest championship match in WWE history, I believe. Um, it was uh, That was beautiful, by the, the bell, way. The bell rang and she did a flying uh, arm bar. Flips over the top over, grab and falls into an arm bar. Tap, tap out tap, immediately. Done. It was it was about as quick a Two squash match yeah. as you can get, which was ironic considering Dana Brooke was saying, "Watch out, Oscar. I know you don't have any." We spent early the previous game. three to five minutes with this video package promo, and then her walking oh, down the ramp. And Dana's promo was about ten times as long as her actual match, <laughs> uh, which I you know I wonder. I mean, this is this what they think of Dana? Is she is she the next on the chopping block? Is she done? I don't know. But um, this was interesting. So this week we we have we had to talk about. 
the new uh, big angle in the women's division, uh, and and it specifically relates to the Oscar match because the new faction, the new three woman faction, consisting of Paige, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville, they came out this week a couple of times. The first time they came out during what was supposed to be a three on three match between them, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and uh, I believe Mickey James again. They're supposed to have a match. Uh, Sasha gets to the ring and realizes that her friends haven't come out yet. And, uh, you know, the three women come out and they cut to the backstage and Bailey and Mickey are both injured backstage. Right. Uh, so Paige and her, her ladies come out and basically start threatening Sasha Banks, say, join us or die sort of thing. Kind of like the beginning of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, and uh, what we found out was that one, Paige is calling her new group Absolution. Two, Paige is absolutely the leader. And three, that she's basically pulling the Emma card, which is I started the whole women's revolution thing. Uh, so join me because I'm the best. So they beat down Sasha. Later on, they come out after the Oscar squash match and they kind of, they circle the ring kind of like a, a shield, like a she yield. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and kind of stare down Oscar and Oscar stares them down and they back off and Oscar leaves. So this was interesting on a number of things. One, you've got this new woman's faction running roughshod over everyone on, on Raw, which is, you know, I like the dynamic of that. It's nice to have uh, sort of a, you have the, the faction over here. You have all the other women in the division either teaming up or not. And then you have the new element of Asuka, who is kind of the biggest ass kicker, uh, being in a position where the three women don't want to attack her, but she also doesn't want to fight them. And so she backs off. And I've, I've seen people describe this as Asuka being cowardly. I've seen other people describe this as, as her being smart. She knows when to pick her battles, when to fight, or she may have come to some sort of, you know, accord with, with them. I don't know. It looked to me as if, because Asuka was licking her chops. She was ready to go. She wanted some action, and, you know, it's Asuka. It would have been amazing to see her just beat down three women. Three on one handicap. Yeah, they just don't want to do that to Absolution yet. They're trying to keep him strong. That's right. Yeah. That was the dilemma. They that was the corner they painted <laughs> exactly. themselves into. You've got to, you've got Oscar who you got to keep strong, and you've got this new faction rolled up. So that was just weird booking, in my opinion. But I I think Oscar was ready to go, and I think it would have been fun had it not been a brand new thing to see her actually. We we've, we've talked constantly about Oscar needing to just murder everyone she comes into contact with. This would have been. Wow! Yeah, this is awesome for her and uh, and her career going forward. I think you'll see Oscar face off against one on one some of the women in the division, whether it's whether it's Bailey, whether it's you know Mandy Rose or someone like that, someone who can take a loss and and it's Oscar. They'll be everyone will just be like, oh, it's okay, it's Oscar. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they would be wise to show these three women beat down Oscar yet. Right. I, I I think even in a three on one situation that would take away some of Oscar's mystique. So I think this was the right decision is to not have Asuka go into the teeth of this new faction, but at the same time, not look entirely cowardly leaving. So I thought it was the best best of both worlds. But it, it also made sense. And it also might be the, the heeliest thing she's kind of done since she's come up to the main roster. Well, it's established, yeah, that she might be a heel on the same level as them. But it, it also is a way to keep their new faction looking strong, too. They didn't look like they got beaten down by one woman. So the women's division has a great new dynamic on Monday Night Raw. I'm very curious to see where they go with it. And 
the, the absolution is definitely the stronger of the two new women's factions, but we'll get into that later when we talk about SmackDown. Well, speaking of teams, we have to go over and talk about uh, the men's tag division. And as it was put over by the commentary, we uh, Dean Ambrose is off on his honeymoon with Renee, and Sheamus is over in Ireland doing his Mohawk convention in Dublin, whatever that, that was is. A good, that was a good line by that Seth. Was, that was very good. Um, so we had Seth Rollins facing off with Cesaro in what I thought was arguably one of the best matches of the week. I thought this was a fantastic match. From a technical standpoint, yeah. sure, but it had almost no build to it, and it didn't have any... I mean, yeah, it was like, okay, who cares? You know what I mean? Because it didn't have any stakes to it. We've seen the two teams fight back and forth for however long. We found out there's a championship match next week, and we've just seen Dean and Seth beat both members of the bar, which smells to me like the bar is going over next week calling it now okay uh, which is i think is the better decision because as of right now there's basically two teams on the raw tag division and the smackdown the, it's like the golden land of opportunity so to speak for the uh, tag division the tag division over there is just killer and on raw it's these two teams that's it and they need to find the other teams and build them up too sweet because they've I mean, how, how long has it been since I think it was the, the was it the shield or was it the bar that just was it Ambrose and Rollins they rolled through the entire division yeah and to get them up there quickly to, to yeah to make them look strong quickly and now the rest of the division is gone I think they're putting those belts back on I think I said it last week they're going to put them back on Ambrose and Rollins really really quickly just to have all three of them have belts all right next week loser takes a shot but okay. uh, Deal. Real, yeah so basically that's what we need to talk about with this segment is that next week we're going to have the tag championship match finally hopefully it is the blow off match for this feud between these two guys these two groups and we don't see them fight anymore and they, we have some other tag teams show up. I don't know what the return for Dash and Dawson is for the revival, but uh, the sooner they revive, the happier I am. Um, speaking of things that made me happy, it looked like the Cruiserweight division was going down the tubes, and they addressed that pretty much head-on. Uh, not on Hulu, of course, because right. it's the Cruiserweights, but uh, a bunch of the Cruiserweights came to Kurt Angle and said, yo, what about us? Kurt Angle said, you know what? Yeah, with all this other stuff going on with Triple H and Survivor Series, I totally forgot about you guys, which makes Kurt look like a a bad GM, but hey, that's that's how WWE wants to write its show. Uh, Kurt Angle set up two fatal four-way matches. The winner of each one will face off the third week, I believe, for the number one contendership for Enzo's title, which I believe will then be defended the week. I don't know. It'll be defended at some point. Uh, so we're, so this week, we had one of the fatal four-ways, which Rich Swan won uh, over Noam Dar, Akira Tozawa, and Aria Davari. Uh, that I'm going to guess that means that next week we're going to have Cedric Alexander, the Brian Kendrick, uh, Jack, Jack Gallagher, and I'm guessing Mufasa Ali, excuse me, Mustafa Ali. Uh, and I'm not really sure who's going to go over there. I, 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 as we've been saying, we hope Cedric. I would love to see Cedric and Rich Swan come down. Well, because as the they've two. been tag it team makes recently, sense. and yep. and they've been having you know they they have history, so having them go face off would be an interesting match. And then having Cedric against Enzo, I mean... God, what a match that would be, too, by the way. What? Cedric? Rich Swan versus oh. Cedric Alexander. Oh. <laughs> Cedric versus That's, Enzo, I'm like... Give, give those guys 20 to 30 minutes, and they'll put on a friggin' barn. I can't imagine one of them, that match. 20 to 30 minutes, one of them might die. Oh, yes. But, uh, yeah, I might so, die having to watch the Cruiserweight champion. Never mind. I'm not yeah, going to So the there. Cruiserweight division <laughs> looks like it might get better. I, I, I just thought about Drew Gulak, maybe him instead of Brian Kendrick next week, but we'll obviously yeah. see. So the, some more interesting things happening in the Cruiserweight division. I think that's back on track. Now we have a definitive place to go. So hopefully this actually leads us into some good stories in the Cruiserweight division. Uh, one other thing we have to mention, of course, is that uh, Samoa Joe did have a match against Titus O'Neil. 
Uh, Titus O'Neil got choked out, and then his little buddy Apollo Crews got choked out afterwards. I think we can officially say now that Titus Worldwide is dead. Yep, I think they've killed it. Yep, they, they, it is done. Uh, Joe Joe has just put the final nail in that coffin uh, as a way to make Joe look even scarier before going on and having a feud with Roman Reigns. Well, that's everything that happened on Monday Night Raw. Let's head over to the next night and talk about what went down on SmackDown Live. So I know I was just talking about the tag team division on SmackDown and how great it is right now. So I'm, I, I got to start talking about that. Yes. Because we did have a match between the New Day and American Alpha 2.0, uh, which is Chad Gable and Chilton Benjamin, Benjamin uh, which was not only was this match entertaining, as you could imagine it would be, uh, the, but before the match, I just have to call it the fact that the New Day are absolutely insane. They now have a pancake mix out, I guess. I and don't the, get the pancake thing. The thi- they have a pancake mix, the New Day pancake mix. So they're, they're is making it booty, pancakes. booty mix. Is booty, that I don't know what it's called, but <laughs> that's would be the logical assumption. Yes, booty mix. Uh, so now they're starting to put pancakes out there instead of their bootyo cereal. So they like they had a, they had a box of bootyos with pancakes in it. and They dumped it on a kid's head. He thought he was getting a bootyo shower. Instead, he got a pancake shower, and his reaction was priceless. And then they go over to the commentary table where the Usos are hanging out because they're going to comment on the match. Right. And Big E starts pulling pancakes out of every... He's only got his singlet down around his waist. So there's not a whole lot of places to pull these pancakes from. But he pulls out two damn plates of pancakes and a bottle of syrup. And Jay was making comments. Go, is this supposed to be warm? Is this still supposed to be... <laughs> The comedy, oh that's the like the Usos and New Day, like there's a reason that might they might be getting to be my feud of the year, almost because the stuff happening after the feud, like they've now got such chemistry together. And also, can I quickly throw out that Byron Saxton might be getting over with me? Uh oh, it's true. I've started to listen to him more and what he's doing and the character he's playing, like the intentional kind of dork character that he's playing and the way that he interacts with, interacts with Corey Graves, the way that he sells the fashion files, the way that he sold this segment where he kind of happily took a plate of pancakes. Like, Oh, I'll take some syrup, please. Tom Phillips. Like, don't you put that in your mouth? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, he's getting over with me. It's like, he's finally figured out what his character is supposed to be. And he's just steering right into it. Uh, and it's, and he's gotten some really impassioned play calls recently. Uh, it's, I, I gotta say such a better, group of commentators than when JBL was there. It's not even the Goldilocks. It's not even a comparison. Yep, the three of those guys on commentary is is too sweet. It, hey, don't don't get us sued, man. Oh yeah. It, it's very nice. It's very it's very nice. There you go. Uh so New Day went over in this match. That's this was interesting to me because last week uh, we've had American Alpha er, get sorry, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin getting put over in the last couple of weeks as being legit contenders. This week, the New Day beat him clean, uh, which is weird because the New Day obviously lost the overall feud to the Usos. Was this the right decision? Uh, I don't know, and, and I, I think so. I think so because it's going to make, it's going to infuriate them more. I think we're going to see more Healy stuff come out of Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, and that's just going to fire that up even more. I think we're, we, we're at the full face turn of the Usos at this point. And it's just going to make more sense for them to to go after those belts. Yeah, I'm sorry. They ate they ate Biggie's ass pancakes. They're definitely faces now. <laughs> ass cakes. Uh, uh, but definitely, I think that you have you're hit a point there. The only way this makes sense is because they didn't use any heel tactics against the New Day that that I can remember. Uh, no. it was a pretty straightforward match. Um, they did do the one thing where Shelton Benjamin got the high kick over the ropes when he was outside the ring. He wasn't mm. the the actual. Uh, uh, Chad Gable threw him into the ropes and. 
Benjamin gave him a okay, high Okay, so kick. there was one little thing. One but, little thing. But, but, that, basically, but, yeah. but I think you make, the, make a good point. The only way this makes sense is if they have to get healier and then come back and beat the New Day later. Yep. Um, and, and then really fully go heal. Let us know for sure that they're 100% heals. Uh, otherwise, I, you know, I don't know, understand why you'd have New Day go over unless there's someone else who's going to be competing with the Usos in the future. No, it's them. And, they're next. You, the New Day's coming back. You think the feud's coming back? Or no, think, I think it's going to be Usos and Shelton and Chad. It should be, but you have to establish how heelish that Benjamin and Chad are going to get. So I think that, you know... Th- We'll see what happens next week, but unless they do that, this was a, this was not the right decision. That being said, I always love seeing Xavier Woods in, in a match, and we got to see him this week. And that guy was just a beast. He had a, a missile drop kick off the top rope and went two thirds away across the ring, almost took Chad Gable's head off, spun him ass over tea kettle, and then he turns <laughs> around, tope con hilo over the top rope. Which for a guy who's what five seven or five eight, whatever Xavier is, he's not a big dude. Was incredible. He got some. Looked beautiful. So nice to see him in action, getting some good stuff going on. Uh, so the other big thing we have to talk about on SmackDown, and uh, to contrast what we were talking about on Raw, is the name of the women's faction on SmackDown. The Riot Squad. R-I-O-T-T Squad. They've changed Ruby Riot from Ruby Riot with one T to Ruby Riot with two Ts. What are your thoughts on this? I didn't know it was just two, one T. I, I didn't... I, I don't give a shit. That's my thought. I'll be honest with you. I could care less. Because because the interwebs have blown up about this. Uh, who cares? Number one, Ruby Riot's going to be a friggin' star. I'll give it two years before she's the women's champion and basically running that division. Um, I, her and Ow. just everything. She She's going to be huge. And I, I've called big that declaration. months ago when she was in NXT. I think she was, I was one of the first call-ups uh, when we were talking about the women's championship and she was getting in, in that mix uh, over on NXT. But I'm happy to see her up here. Not too high on Sarah Logan. Uh, I think Liv Morgan could surprise us and, and really turn into something special. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of iffy on the Riot Squad. I, I dig the name, but I'm with them and the Absolution thing. I don't know if that was smart to have two, three women factions coming out exact at the exact same time, doing kind of the exact same shit. It, eh, there's not a lot of creativity there for me. Creative. And this is the issue. This is the biggest issue is that you know everyone who's complaining about the Riot Squad having one extra T, first of all, it's a branding issue. They, they couldn't have used Riot Squad because it's copyrighted, so they had to use a different thing, and they were already ready to go with that, and it does sound good. It just looks a little goofy. Fine. We can overlook that. The big issue here is you've done the exact same thing on two brands. You said we're going to bring up these women, and you do it basically because, one, because Raw goes on first in the week, and two, because Paige is your token goth girl on that in, in that group, which automatically gives it more legitimacy. Yeah, it makes the Riot Squad look like a secondary faction. It makes them look like a pale imitation of Absolution. This is a this is terrible. This is a terrible idea to have these mirror image angles going on on the same shows, and not just in terms of visual look, which they are definitely almost too mirror image. But in terms of how they're dealing with the rest of the division, how they're getting themselves over, how they're presenting themselves, everything is so similar as to be very uncomfortable. And it, I think it's, a, it's really, uh, it, it once again makes creative a misnomer. Yeah. You know, the, the, you have the WWE creative. Well, get creative. You've got two teams of three women 
that are incredibly talented and you're doing them all a disservice by having them all do the exact same freaking being thing lazy. as the other team. It's lazy. It's completely lazy booking. It's uncreative booking. And it's I, I'm worried about the three women on SmackDown because they're the ones who are in the worst position right now and they have the biggest hill to climb as a result. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, here's the thing. Ruby Riot is not Paige. She's not. No. I agree with you that she has a, a, a great character, some great star power. I don't know if she should be a heel because I've gotten so used to her being a face on NXT and she was such a good face. And I think that I think that for WWE not to push her as a face, they're missing a whole market share and the p- fact that she could be so marketable. They could be leaving money on the table by having her be a heel. Um, but it's fine. Like if, if you bring, it's like Bobby Roode coming in as a face. It's okay. It's, it'll, it's a phase. It'll pass. But I think they're doing her career a disservice by having her directly contrasting with Paige because she's not Paige. Paige ha- Paige is a superstar. Yep. She has been four years. Ruby is not. Ruby's still figuring out how to play to a 13,000 person arena. You know what I mean? She is definitely way behind in this race. And her being the leader of this faction, all the weight is on her shoulders at this point. You can split this faction apart and everyone's going to do their own thing like they did with the the awful factions when they first brought up all the women from NXT, like Team Bad and the Sorority Sisters, all that crap, PCB or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like eventually they will split these groups up and see who survives. But the thing is, you have to build your presence in these groups before that happens. Otherwise, you end up being Tamina coming out of Team Bad, and you're on the shelf for two years. Although part of that was injury, actually, now that I think of it. But still. The last thing I want to say about this is that it was very apparent to me the difference in in in-ring ability and speed and all of that kind of stuff when you put someone like a uh, Sarah Logan up against Charlotte Flair. And... That, to me, speaks volumes because I don't think we've ever really gotten to see that happen at the moment. And this was the first time we saw uh, the Riot Squad actually get in the ring after they debuted last week, and we got to see them wrestle, their in-ring ability, right? It really highlighted the difference to me between the levels of Natalia and Charlotte versus like a Sarah Logan or even Ruby to that extent. They just it's almost like the they were in third gear instead of fifth gear. But to be fair, they were in there with Charlotte Flair, who is arguably the most superstar women's wrestler they currently have, more so than Paige, more so than Sasha Banks, more so than I would say Alexa Bliss. Yep. Uh, who snuck away on Monday night from commentary. That was I thought cute was a, that the camera cut was to a that. Cool, cool moment where she was on commentary while they were the the absolution was beating up all the women in the ring or Sasha Banks in the ring, excuse me, and she's kind of slunk away. I thought that was a good moment, but I think that Charlotte Flair is the top superstar in the women's division. Sure. So when you have these three women in the ring against Charlotte Flair, they're just not going to stack up one on one on one to her. That's just it's because it's Charlotte. When they were outside beating up Naomi in this segment, that looked a little bit more like they were on the same level. Yeah. Um, and they did a good job of really looking vicious beating up Naomi. It was once they got in the ring with Charlotte Flair that you really realized the gulf between these women and the and again you can excuse that they're all fresh from NXT and only Ruby Riot really had a whole lot of work on TV in NXT. Um, but even she next to Charlotte Flair, just she doesn't look competitive because Charlotte is just, and they're used to Amazon that, you know, I can't, I can't discredit exactly the, uh, the first time you walk out in front of 15,000 people yeah. in an arena. So I'd say the give, size them, of give, that. Them, give them a pass on that. Yeah. 
Uh, one thing I can't give a pass on is the Bludgeon Brothers gimmick. Ugh. Like, and this is, these are two guys who, when they work in the ring as the Bludgeon Brothers, look great. They're vicious. They're hitting so hard. And they murdered the Hype Brothers again this week. But God, that gimmick is terrible. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's just uncomfortably bad. It's like 1991, 1992 WWE stuff. Yeah. Like, the only, the only difference is they're not an actual uh, job. They're not like a plumber or a dentist or something. They're just like... <laughs> Shitty World of Warcraft players. What is this, a porn? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So anyway, I can't stand the gimmick, but they do look great in the ring. One thing we need to talk about here that's kind of the big news. The Hype Brothers, finally, after what, six months of teasing a breakup? After WrestleMania, yeah. Stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. They finally broke up. Although it wasn't the person that I called turning heel and turning on the other person, which is the only way you can break up a tag team in WWE. You were correct. Mojo Raleigh blindsided Zack Ryder in an interview segment at the end of this match. And he, Mojo Raleigh is a heel. Now, here's the thing. What happens next? Are they broken up? Do they, do they feud with each other? Does Mojo go off and be a heel on his own? What now? I, 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 again, it's one of those where I don't know if I care yet. It's one of those kind of things. Has, like it, we, has it been too long since we I'm a little numb to it. I'm a little yeah. pissed it took him this long to do it. Putting Zack Ryder's injury aside, I, I never fault anybody for getting hurt, but... At the same time, it's should they still have done this? And yeah, I think so, because as you mentioned before, the tag division on SmackDown is overwhelmingly uh, just robust at this point, and they're frankly not really a big part of it. So having these guys break off and get into a feud with each other, at least maybe until Rumble or something like that, could be compelling, could be interesting. Will it make TV? I don't know. Uh, will it make Clash of Champions? Depends on how much maybe. people care about it. They You could... With the right writing, and that's a big if, uh, make this a compelling feud. You know, yeah. former former best friends turning on each other is is a a, a long staple of WWE. It's yes. like it's like cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving. It's just part of what they do. Uh, so this could definitely be built into an interesting feud. Whether or not the audience goes with it, who knows? I don't think anyone's cared about the Hype Brothers for a long time. I don't think anyone's cared about Mojo Rawley for a long time. I think most people forgot that he won the Under the Giant Battle Royale at WrestleMania last year. Uh, over Jinder Mahal, who I would argue had a much better year than uh, <laughs> Mojo Raleigh by a long shot. Yes. Speculation I think we had was that uh, because Mojo did get a big face push for a couple of months after WrestleMania, and he was doing a lot of like Make-A-Wish stuff, and that's why I was thinking Zach was going to go heel because they mm. they pushed Mojo so hard as a face. Maybe that's why it took this long to do it, that Mojo was the plan all along, but they saw his schedule for the rest of the year. And was Too like, many make-a-wishes? Right. We can't have you turn on your best friend as right. a dick and then, then just go out and do all these and make-a-wishes. All this, yeah, the cancer kids are like, I don't want him. <laughs> He's mean. He's mean. I don't like him. Oh. Uh, speaking of mean, uh, Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin <laughs> challenged, or see, Bobby Roode challenged Baron Corbin to a U.S. title match this week. Corbin emphatically said no, no. and walked away. That was, br- I actually had to pause it. I, I was laughing so hard. He, well Baron done, Corbin Baron. definitely got me to laugh out loud at that. Um, you know, one thing, and I meant to do this, I meant to go back and look. Uh, I couldn't tell if Baron Corbin was wearing the new. U.S. title. They've redesigned it. Oh. And they've shown it at a couple of uh, 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 pictures that they put out online. Um, they have a new redesigned U.S. title. Looks great. Looks really good. You yeah. know where it would look even better? Around Bobby Roode's waist. Yes. I hope that this feud goes forward. I hope Bobby gets the title. Because here's the thing. Not only does Bobby Roode look good with gold, 
What is he going to do if he loses a feud to Baron Corbin? It's his first major feud out the gate after the, the, the inaugural Dolph Ziggler feud that every major <laughs> NXT star has to do when they come to SmackDown. Uh, look, I, as much as we love heel Bobby Roode, face Bobby Roode's coming around on me. I'm starting to dig it. I'm starting uh, to get a little... Because it's still kind of brash, but it's like great American hero, kind of all-American man, just he, brash. He does know? the late 80s yelling in the promos a little bit yeah. too much for me. But, but I, like, I dig that, uh, though. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not against it, but it's just a, it's a little goofy. But at the same time, I am looking forward to this feud. Baron Corbin, Bobby Roode is going to be a good feud, I think. I think that they could get a good match out of each other. Um, the only caveat is I do think... I mean, it's it's going to make it a really short title run for Baron Corbin. Uh, or maybe he wins by shenanigans at Clash of Champions and then he gets it at, at Royal Rumble. I don't know. Ultimately, again, Bobby Roode, in my opinion, has to win this. You've got to get gold on that guy as soon as possible. And then, I, dear God, turn him heel as soon as possible. I agree with you. I think this, I, I don't think he gets it next week. I think Baron Corbin chickens out, DQs. Oh, and we're then, not going to see them actually have a title match till Clash of Champions. Exactly. <laughs> Clash of Champions, uh, I, Bobby Roode's going to get that belt. So. I don't know if it's, again, I don't know if he's going to get a Clash of Champions. He might not win that first match because of Baron Corbin's, you know, doing some sort of douchebaggery, yeah. douchebaggery, shenaniganry, <laughs> some sort of, you know, boondoggle. But then it gets pushed off to to Rumble or another pay per view, you know, one or two pay per views down the road. Sure. They 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 feud for a couple of pay per views. So Corbin gets a longer uh, reign with the belt, and also Rude gets a little bit more heat behind him, babyface heat behind him for finally taking that title off that dastardly Corbin. <laughs> well. Well, speaking of dastardly, we need to go over and talk about Jinder Mahal and his two little cronies and what's going on with AJ Styles. Oh, he's the dastardliest. So they set up the handicap match this week with both of the Singh brothers facing AJ Styles. And before the bell could even ring, Jinder Mahal attacks him and they just beat the shit out yeah, of AJ just, Styles. Just a triple beat down there, which I thought was the only way to make this an actual match because right. AJ has proven he can take these guys out in two seconds before. Nakamura's taken them out in two seconds before. The only way to make this... Uh, any kind of match is to make AJ, you know, really beaten down before it, which they did. And then it was an entertaining match. It was, I it was, was shocked. The, the, the biggest thing that I was entertained, but was the, uh, the styles clash off the second rope oh. onto the <laughs> other Singh brother. But that was, that's what made this okay, like, is that so, technically a crossbody against your teammate? That's honestly, that's just, that's like roadkill. That's just murder. <laughs> But it is the thing is that this was a this was a match I was not looking forward to. I just kind of like, oh yeah, that's going to be one of these. And god damn it, AJ Styles goes and does it again. I mean, he, here's the thing. When you see how they handle AJ Styles versus how they handle Roman Reigns, AJ Styles should be if not their number 1 guy, then their number like 1.5 guy. Yeah. Like he should be just below they should treat him with the kind of love they give Roman Reigns because this guy can get a good match out of a handicap match against the freaking Singh brothers. He can entertain me in that match. He can pull out spots I was not expecting. He can make me believe in him having a comeback, like rooting for him to have a comeback. God damn it. This guy can just... Anyway, I, I can't mark out about AJ enough uh, he's kind of like my Braun Strowman, I guess. Yes, but uh, he did get a lot of help from the commentary as well. Who was they put him right over again? Are just all over salivating all over AJ Styles. Thank God they don't have a title for him the way they do have Big Dog for Roman Reigns. Dude, if you had if you had taken a drink every time they said Big Dog on Raw this week, you'd be in the hospital. And if you watched the three hour version, you'd have been dead. I'm just oh gonna throw that God. out there. It was it was insane. 
But here's the thing. What we need to talk about with the AJ Mahal thing, obviously they're they're going to have their championship rematch at Clash of Champions. It's already booked. Yep. What's interesting is after this match, ultimately, obviously, AJ wins, scram- uh, scrambles out of the ring, gets away, and Jinder colosses both of the Singh brothers. Is this the last we see of the Singh brothers? Or is know. that just another like whipping boy situation? I think it's a whipping boy situation. They're getting, they're all getting ready to go to India. We're not going to see gender for uh, probably the uh, two weeks and then clash of champions. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think we're going to see any more of this feud except maybe like tape delay stuff, you yeah. know, where he's on the, the, the Tron. Here's the interesting thing. The Singh brothers, I believe had the same contract as Ellsworth, which was a year contract. Okay. That contract is up. Okay. They don't need to go to India with gender. Gender, if you watch the bit with him, the, there's like an online promo video for the him, the uh, gender Triple H match in New Delhi. Yep. Gender is a full on face in that promo video. So they're put they're positioning him as a face, and him having two cronies as a face doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I think this might be their way of writing the things off of TV. Gender might either get new cronies. Or they might position him as being more of a credible threat, which, frankly, if he doesn't have the title, he needs. He needs to be a more credible threat and not be the chicken shit Seth Rollins style champion with the with the with the buddies who always help him out. So I wait and see, but I'm going to throw it into the my throw my little ticket in here that this might be the last we see the Singh brothers. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Wait and see. Speaking of uh, what we might see the last of, uh, we had a new Fashion Files this week, the Jigsaw edition, this where we weird. found uh, Brizango shackled to a shower in the bathroom as a la Saw 1, a la Saw the one. first Saw 1 movie. And sitting across from them, shackled, were also the Ascension, Naturally, Victor it's, and it's, Connor. That's the, the Fashion Files. Or Vince, Vincent, or whatever Vincent, his name is. Yeah. Vincent, yeah. It's Victor! <laughs> it's only one Vincent, damn it. Damn uh, it. So this was interesting because uh, here's the thing. First of all, they kind of threw a lot of the comedy out the window. There's only one or two memorable lines from this. Uh, one of them being the fact that in order to find the key to help them escape, they had to kill Tully the horse again. There's a the the dead Tully horse was in the and middle. And the line of the- was, "Let's beat this dead horse and get out of here." Yeah. And I was sitting there going, "Is oh. that you know allegory to something?" Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm they, we may be reaching the end of the fashion files. May they might be moving on. They definitely. Don't have, but the, we still haven't done two B. Well, that's where where are we going. That's the big mystery. We still well, haven't but solved there's it. There's two things. There's two B still out in the open. There's what's going to happen to fashion to the Breezango if the fashion files goes away. And in this segment, at the end, Breezango escape, but the the toxic mist that was going to kill everyone gets released. They leave Connor and Victor behind, who who apparently die. We watch them get covered by gas and die. Is the Ascension going away? Are they going to rebrand them? Or what? Or are they just going to forget about this next week and they're back and like nothing ever happened? Outside of the fashion files, I, I'd kind of forgotten that they were even on uh, in a wrestling well, show. Well, the thing. I mean, they need, to, they need to do something with them besides <laughs> fashion files. So what happens it's to them It's arguably more important to the Ascension that the fashion files continues than it is to Breezango. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So yeah, that's it. Was very weird. Uh, I it, it said to be continued at the end, and Did I'm, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay. so I'm I'm still I still love me my fashion files, just like Byron Saxton. So, uh. all right, so we got to get to the big. What is what is the big plot through line of SmackDown? And it has been for the last few weeks, even though it's just such a weird thing that this is the main plot while your WWE title is kind of an afterthought. Uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. 
uh, Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, and this week, Randy Orton, all tussling together. Uh, we at the top of the show, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon have had a they've had a weird dynamic the last couple of weeks. We finally get them to kind of talk in each other like, hey, we're not on the same page. What's going on? Uh, still a weird dynamic. One, I, I'm calling it right now. One of them's going to turn heel at some point. I hope it's not Daniel Bryan because it should be Shane McMahon because he's been acting so freaking heelish lately. And it, 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 you know, it's it's like we were saying, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, their criticisms of him are valid. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, basically, last week, Kevin Owens got put into a match with Randy Orton. This week, Shane barred Sami Zayn from ringside. And damn it, KO and Randy had a match that, I, in my opinion, tore down the house. Yeah, it did. It absolutely was, did. I did not expect it to and be And they good. tore themselves up with kendo Oof. sticks, with welts and blood and all kinds of stuff. Cuts and all kinds. Wrap up. I, I, where, that, you, you, somebody come tell me wrestling's fake. I'm going to point you to that match. Where was where was, where was this Randy the last like well, couple years? Well, he was I dealing with Bray and gender. He's only had like... I, the last time <laughs> I remember liking a Randy Orton match this much was during the brief period that uh, Luke Harper had gone face after breaking up with Bray Wyatt. Okay. And uh, it was when Randy was with was working with Bray at the time. It was like I, actually early last year. And he had a... Absolutely outstanding match with Luke Harper. Uh, but this was another great match. Yeah, and Even at a certain point, uh, they make their way outside the ring. Again, it's no DQ, no disqualification. They work their way up the ramp. Here comes Sammy with a chair and starts beating the crap out of Randy Orton. Now, technically, this isn't ringside, as was said by the And it's commentary. a no DQ match. And it's a no DQ match. So everything legal here, ref didn't stop the match. Anything, everything goes. But... Uh, this I got back into the ring, and it was this was a lot of fun. Well, and what's interesting is that you know he so Sammy hits him in the hamstring, and then Kevin ends up going for the hamstring later. So Randy does take the pin here, but is somewhat protected, not one hundred percent protected. There was some action. It doesn't got matter. Back it's Randy ring. Orton, right? I was going to say, what's the over under on Randy Orton getting the win next week, <laughs> or at some point getting the final win in this? It's just going to be at the at this point. They're, they are the upper mid-card. Well, if just, I remember just right. Just below he, the top of the card, allegedly, although they were the top of the card on this particular evening, which means they're just going to be trading wins. That's how WWE does things as much as we wish they wouldn't. And he didn't get his patented RKO in either. Right. That's so, true. The RKO was nowhere to be seen, so yep. that's going to have to come out in the next Kevin week. Kevin kept squig- squiggling out of it the couple of times he tried to land it. So I, I, I guarantee you next week that another match and he lands it and that's he sure. takes this was this win. was Kevin Owens needed this win, but at the same time, you know, I have a I'm worried that down the road, Rain is going to go over on him, and then what do you have with Kevin and Sammy? Like this, like we said last week, concerns about this angle. Uh, we think this might be going the wrong direction for both Kevin Owens and Sammy. They might have found their level, and WWE's just locking him in on it. You know, kind of like a kind of like what we're seeing with Finn Balor over on Raw. Yeah, uh, kind of like we were worried was going to happen with Samoa Joe. You know, this it's starting to the the kind of walls are closing in. Kind of how I'm worried about where the hell Shinsuke Nakamura is. Yep. Um. What is what, where is he been? Where I haven't seen been? that guy in a month. He was he was here last week. He was a lumberjack last week. Oh, he was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Randy uh, Randy couldn't be a lumberjack, but Shinsuke could. Uh, I I kind of know where he was. He was at Starcade, but. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Yes, he did a match at Starcade, but uh, great. That's a house show. Well, we'll yeah. get to Starcade in a second. Yeah. Uh, real quick, one last quick point uh, about Daniel Bryan is that he, at this point, might be the most interesting GM, or is he commissioner? He's GM. GM, yeah. That we've had, that I can recall, he's the most interesting character, at least, where he's got a bunch of different dynamics. You're not really sure what's going on with him. He's making decisions. He's making 
uh, you know, he's going against the conventions of the commissioner, but at the same time, he's not completely siding with the wrestlers. Like he seems to be doing his own thing. And the way that they're writing him is very compelling to me. So I like what they're doing with Daniel Bryan. I'm very curious where they're going. I hope it's not a heel turn as some people have speculated online, but um, what my ideal would be obviously in a perfect world, which won't happen, but uh, if for some reason he gets cleared to wrestle in WWE, Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania would be a great way to get Shane out there and also Daniel Bryan. So that's just putting that out there. I don't want to see that at WrestleMania, though. I don't want to see the McMahons wrestling at WrestleMania anymore. You're going to get it. One I'm, way I'm or another. so tired, I, and we're probably going to get Triple H wrestling at WrestleMania. Probably again against at this Kurt point. Angle. Look, Daniel Bryan to me is the anti-establishment. He always has been. He's almost the anti-McMahon. He's he's he. I, there, I don't think there's any way he could turn heel. As a matter of fact, it could turn into a battle about whether or not Daniel Bryan becomes the thing. And I, I think Vince could get involved, and maybe that's how they get set up. But I don't think it's going to lead to a wrestling. Let me say that again. I hope it doesn't lead to a wrestling match. Um, but I like the idea that Dan, you've used the word conscience, that Daniel Bryan is the conscience of SmackDown, and I really like that because he takes all of the power plays out of the equation and is always that kind of fair and balanced uh, approach to everything. So I love Daniel Bryan. To, the, to him, him being kind of the best ever as far as GMs go, yeah, I'll throw him in there in that group. In terms of interesting, I know about the yeah. best. I, but but granted, Mick, Fo- Mick Foley's still up there as one of my best. It's it's been a year. You know, I want to give it a, a a little bit longer before we before we start throwing those kind of things out. So, eh. a year and a half. I'm just saying, as far as his character, he's one of the most interesting characters. No, we're near the not the best. Oh, sure, just okay. an interesting character. And, and as far as what you were saying about anti-establishment. Okay, so if he if he does have a match against Shane McMahon, he's fighting the establishment. I want to see think, superstars wrestle. I want to see these guys I, wrestle. You're, but you're gonna get it. You're gonna get Shane McMahon. It's why it's why once again SmackDown is opening every week with a McMahon having a, a speech. It's 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 that's what they do. They put themselves in the spotlight. And here's the thing: if they do bring Daniel Bryan back into the ring as a heel, it'll be one of the biggest mistakes they could possibly make. Yep. It's if you know you see him so many other ways, like with John Cena, Roman Reigns, they don't want to turn them heel because they learned their lesson with Stone Cold. You leave a lot of money on the table when you do that. You turn Daniel Bryan heel and try to make him a heel comeback. People are going to cheer that guy, no matter who he's facing. Yeah. So yeah, there that that's that. If you're sick of the McMahons, I have a good good cure for you. Let's go talk about something else. Let's talk about the wide world of wrestling. So instead of the McMahons, let's talk about the Helmsleys. Let's talk about <laughs> NXT. Uh, first of all, we will we will move away from WWE in a second. But oh, I wait, do... we have to go through our magic time portal machine to get back. Oh, right. right, right. Diddly, 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 because the ones diddly. we're going to talk about first are already on the main roster performing. <laughs> well, this was the interesting <laughs> thing. So, so last week on NXT, we had some of the matches that were shot before the TakeOver event. They were recorded at TakeOver, but they were separated from the TakeOver special on right. the network. Uh, and one of those matches was Ruby Riot. Versus Sonya Deville. With one T. Right. Back when she had one T. Yeah. It was an NXT. Uh, now, obviously, Ruby on SmackDown, Sonya on Raw. What was interesting, besides the fact this was a really good match and the best I've seen Sonya look, um, this was interesting because the commentary referenced the fact that this took place after they got called up to the main roster, but then they were trying to like downplay the fact that it was shot at TakeOver because there was two rings, like the War Games match. Yeah, my head it was exploded. the most 
awkward damn thing I've ever seen. Like the yeah, these girls are on two separate brands right now. It was like what? I mean, the only thing I could think was because Ruby got her ankle quote injured in the match, right? Uh, and then she, I, but she didn't sell it this week either. So I, I, this was such weird time dilation. You couldn't just say we recorded this before takeover, and then later these ladies got called up to the respective brands. It was weird. Why even call this. attention to it at all? Why even say either of those things? Why not just enjoy the match just, for what it is? Why do we have to put it in? They try to make it like they they had to put it where it was contemporaneously, and it just made. It was weird, but it was a good match. Uh, speaking of good matches, also recorded at TakeOver, and then we saw last week, Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne. Unsurprisingly to me, incredible match. Incredible match. And as we said last week, probably the reason why uh, Lars Sullivan and Cassius Ono match was so dead as far as the crowd, because they were burned out from this match because they were hot for this match. Uh, admittedly, I have not watched this match yet. I got mixed up. I didn't know whether okay, we're stopping it wasn't. The, we're stopping the podcast right now. You're going to go watch that match. Yeah? No, we're almost done. You, okay. We'll do the podcast, <laughs> then you go watch it. But uh, immediately, watch that thing. Okay. Great. Uh, I didn't know it was on the network, so I thought it was... Anyway, uh, I, I can only imagine this match... Just these two guys on paper and their abilities, what it's going to be. So I'm very excited to it's see It's exactly it. what you would imagine. Uh, mm. But that being said, it was weird. The UK Championship, it was the first time it's gotten defended, at least on WWE TV in a while. I know Pete Dunne kind of goes around, does exhibition matches and puts right. on the line every once in a while in, in indie companies, which is cool that they do that. But it's weird that they're not making a bigger deal out of it on, on WWE TV. Uh, having him come out and beat up Enzo a week or two ago on Raw, was it was the first time the UK championship has been on raw or SmackDown. That's weird. Um, That's not weird. I think it's amazing. Well, and I'm glad they finally brought it out, but you got to recognize that a little bit more. And yeah. at this point, it's lesser recognized than the cruiserweight championship, which is saying something. Uh, this week on NXT was all house show stuff. There, again, we haven't really progressed at all. Uh, we saw the street profits versus uh, Santino Moss and Tino Sabatelli or whatever their names are. Uh, Moss and Sabatelli. It's basically the, it's the house show match. We saw when yeah. we went and saw NXT Same Riverside. One. It was fine. Uh, Peyton Royce uh, was beaten by Kyrie Sane, as you'd expect. Five-minute match. Got to protect that elbow drop. Not really much to talk about there. Uh, the only good thing that I saw this week on NXT was Mustache Mountain, which, of course, is Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, facing off against the UK champion Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews. The interesting thing in this was that Tyler Bate pinned Pete Dunne. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we building... To, I mean, this is another fight forever feud as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. These two guys have such chemistry together. Could Bate be making a run for the UK championship down the road or does that mean we just have too few people really going for this championship? A belt? little bit of both, I would say. Uh, I, I can definitely see that they need some more contenders in this. If we're calling it a division, are we calling the UK a yeah, division? Yeah, absolute division. Sure. Um, but at the same time... It makes the most sense. I think he is probably number two, right behind Pete Dunne. He's the number two star, or if not the number one, depending on who you ask. Yeah. So, I mean, those two guys can feud indefinitely, as far as I'm concerned, and just toss the belt back and forth to each I'll, other. I'm just going to say that's a pretty that's a pretty shallow pool of talent. Then they got a whole bunch of other talented guys out of the UK, a bunch of other guys they could bring not over. At their level. Well, that's that's not, maybe that's the issue yeah, too. Not is, wrestling at their know, level. But uh, I don't know. They got a lot of really talented guys over there in the UK. Uh, so speaking of other great things that happened this week, Starcade. Star, we we're, we're about a week or two past when it happened, but Starcade came back. First time, it was 17 years it's been since the last Starcade. Starcade's back in Greensboro, North Carolina. That's right, the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes himself, son of a plumber. Yeah, so this was this was basically a, a, a blown up 
SmackDown house show. Yeah. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Yes. Uh, you know, it was it was very nice that they were back there. You know, with the Starcade logo uh, in the old Greensboro Coliseum, doing doing it basically the way that they used to do, and they did have some nice nostalgic callbacks. But at the end of the day, this was still very much WWE, and this was still very much a house show, albeit a bit of a, a expanded one. We had a couple of cage matches and some some guest stars. Uh, really quickly running down the stuff that happened, you had Bobby Roode finishing up his feud with uh, Dolph Ziggler, beating him with the help of Arn Anderson. When we're talking about nostalgia moments, Arn Anderson came out and gave Dolph Ziggler a spine buster. Oh. I've seen this online. It is a it, Arn still got it. I saw a picture of it with him up in the air, like oh. a, a still image. Yeah. Oh, that uh, Arn is massive. I forgot how big that dude was. He's a truck. But with him, truck. him picking up little Dolph Ziggler and having him up on his. Oh man, it's still the. Pr- I mean, the guy is. Uh, he's in his sixties. Yeah. Still the prettiest spine buster in the business. Yeah. I. I mean, come on. Carl's is pretty good. Too. And the place blew up. Oh, oh, well, that's that's one of the big callbacks. It was a nice one. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers <laughs> were on a team with Mike Kanellis, uh, uh, the Colognes, and Rusev, and they be- they beat the team of Brizango, Sin Cara, The Ascension, and Ty Dillinger. Was this a Royal Rumble match? Uh, it was a it was Jesus a big Christ. match. It was a big chaotic <laughs> match, but uh, yeah, that would have been an interesting one to watch. That's one I wish I could see. Uh, Naomi beat Tamina. Dustin Rhodes, which was a nice callback to, to uh, Dusty. Dustin Rhodes, Gold Dust, came out as Dustin Rhodes and beat, of all people, Dash Wilder. Huh? I think this was originally booked as a tag team match. I think uh, they Dawson. get Cody? Well, they were. Uh, Cody teased that he might do it. Yeah, but I remember I, that. I, I, I think that fell through. And then huh. also, um, obviously, Dawson got injured. So it just became Dustin Rhodes beat, beat Dash Wilder. Yeah. Um, there was a U.S. championship match. It, there was actually the belt was on the line, and Nakamura did beat Corbin, albeit by DQ. So he didn't get the belt because the belt doesn't change oh, hands on a DQ. Clever. Yeah, so because Corbin hit him with the chair. So belt doesn't change hands. Uh, but then Nakamura killed him after the match. So Great. Uh, the Hardy Boys came out with the Rock and Roll Express and the New Day. So then we had a big old party in the middle of the ring. The Wait, Rock Jeff and- was there? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jeff, I mean, that Jeff is their backyard. There. That's, that's what I mean. They basically, you know, got on their bicycles and rode over there. Uh, <laughs> and, but, but yeah, the Rock and Roll Express came out. Michael P.S. Hayes came out, did the strut, and then and they ended up all twerking in the middle of the ring. It was a very, very strange dance party. Uh, there was a tag championship match. The Usos defended against New Day, Sammy, uh, Kevin Owens, and American Alpha 2.0. It was a four-way match, for a fatal four-way, but they, they retained, as you would expect. No, no, nothing changed hands here. I bet that was an interesting match. I bet that was a crazy match, and I actually wish I could check it out. Uh, yeah, the- WWE, are you listening? We, <laughs> we would love to be able to watch this. Well, we'll get, we'll get to their reasoning here in a second. Uh, there was a women's championship match. Charlotte beat uh, Natalia. Ric Flair, of course, came out to introduce Charlotte, as you would imagine. Greensboro is about 45 minutes north of Charlotte. Absolutely. So he came out to an enormous ovation. And then there was a championship match. Uh, this was originally booked to be Nakamura versus Jinder in a cage, which we commented on months ago as saying that this, it meant the Jinder feud was going to continue with Nakamura. Somewhat thankfully, it was not Nakamura once again eating a loss to Jinder. Yeah. But it was AJ catching the win by escaping the cage. And so he retained uh, and left gender alone in the cage. Still makes gender keeps gender looking a little bit strong. Yeah, he him didn't pin him. L- the little fast agile guy scrambling yeah. out of the cage. Exactly. Uh, so, I get that. So I, it was smart where they did it. So 
So here's the interesting thing. So Michael P.S. Hayes, who obviously Rock and Roll Express, right. he's the one who went to WWE and basically did this all on his own. Like he pushed, he, he, he booked it, he wrote it. Uh, he's the one who got it done. Obviously, WWE didn't have enough faith in this, which is why they didn't put on the network and make a special out of it. That, and I think they didn't want some of the things that went down to mess with storylines. Agreed. Um, I think those are the two big reasons. That's why they don't show all their house shows. Because basically to them, this was a house show. Yeah. It's like the Madison Square Garden where Kevin Owens lost the belt to AJ. Even though we saw the clips of AJ winning during Raw and SmackDown, they still didn't put the whole special on, on, uh, on the network. They didn't film it. Uh, there's a lot of money that goes into filming these things. When you film them, and any level of WWE professionalism, there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. So depending on how people reacted to this Starcade, we might see it next year, but they didn't want to throw the money at it this year. Plus, they were worried about just the storyline implications. Well, I, here, I want to say this real quick. There's got to be a way that they can do these kind of offshoot special kind of shows where we as fans and we as audience members let go of kayfabe and let go of storyline so that we can just see athletes perform. And I I would be okay with letting stepping aside from the storyline just to see some of these matches. I'm yeah, not going to let it affect me. It would have to be something where they would have to there'd be a way that to like communicate to their audience, "Hey, this is not in storyline, it's not in kayfabe." Some something like that where they could explain that, you know, without saying it openly because as much as you know they everyone says kayfabe is dead uh and it's been kind of you know explicitly it's said a different kind it's 2.0 or but whatever but it's well what but but at the same time like exactly they're Once on NWA a new way went away it's it's it became they're sports on a entertainment. new level well yeah. yeah it's one of the reasons nwa went away is because yeah. vince said that uh that it was sports entertainment not professional wrestling right so at this point, they still have enough invested in their storylines that they don't want to break the storylines, but they also acknowledge that, hey, these people are performers. The problem is how do you communicate that from show to show? Yeah. So obviously, obviously they do it with Total Divas. They do it with Breaking Ground. They do it with a lot of those kinds of specials. Sure. You know, maybe they do something like that where it's, uh, um, you know, the WWE, like the 24, WWE 24, right? Yeah. I, we don't know. They could have actually recorded Starcade as a WWE 24. Like they a special filmed all thing. of these. They filmed the house show in Riverside we went to. Right. Uh, they have footage of every single one of these shows that they do where the, the money thing where that you're talking about is the, the final cuts and the editing of putting a, a Well, but hard a cam having together. someone like direct it and call it during the show, all yeah. the extra people that are required for that. Yeah, but all of that stuff's getting filmed. But that's what I'm saying is maybe this will come out as a special later on. Maybe. So maybe so maybe we don't know yet. Maybe yeah. it, has, it has yet to happen. Moving on, we got to talk about New Japan. We're in the dead in the middle of the World Tag League, which is kind of like the G1 that happens in summer, only it's with tag teams. It's another bracketology one. It's a lot of fun because you get twice as many guys in it because you got tag teams. And it's not just pre-existing tag teams. They just make up tag teams. They're like, these okay. two guys are going to team together. Uh, right now, we've got two brackets, same, same way as we do with G1. You got an A block, you got a B block. Right now, the guys on top, we're about halfway through. It ends on December 11th. The guys on top in A block, of all people, Juice Robinson teaming up with Sammy Callahan, our boy Sammy Callahan. Their tag team name is Death Juice. That's a great name. <laughs> That's a great name. Is that some like loose Japanese translation for something that actually means something well, in no, Japan? No, because Sammy Callahan's doing the whole, like he's just being very dark and sinister. And then, of course, Juice Robinson. 
Uh, fair <laughs> so enough. Just, good to see Juice Robinson still. Uh, he's getting a huge push this yeah, year in New Japan. Still having a good year in, in 2017. They're loving him, and I'd love to see Sammy Callahan coming in at the top two. That being said, we are still early. They're only up by one match at this point. They're closely trailed by three, uh, four, excuse me, five other teams. Uh, Bad Luck Valet, Chase Owens, Hangman Page, and Yujiro Takahashi, uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, and Satoshi Kojima, uh, which they're known as Tenkozi. Uh, and of course, Minoru Suzuki and Takahashi Izuka uh, and Evil and Sonata. They're all one match behind Death Juice. So that could, you know, they could get upset really quickly. Um, and then uh, you got uh, Manabu Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata. They're at one and three. So I'm not seeing them catch up anytime soon. Actually, according to my notes, it looks like Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi just won too. So I guess they're tied for the first as well. Hmm. But anyway, so it's all very tight in A block. And the same with, the same with B block where it's, uh, you've got one group on top and then a bunch of other groups right behind them um right now it looks like uh killer elite squad which is davy boy smith and lance archer are on top at uh three matches and no losses three wins no losses war machine right behind them two and one uh our, trent beretta is teaming up with our boy chucky e. t from pwg their team name is the best friends that's adorable that is well they're an adorable team but uh they're right behind them at two and one Tamatonga and Tongaloa, the Gorillas of Destiny, they're at two and one. Michael Elgin is teaming up with another one of our boys from what? LA. Jeff Cobb, Mr. Athletic himself, Holy has smokes. gone from LA down over to New Japan. Uh, he is now two and one with Michael Elgin right behind the number one guys in B block. Uh, Good and then, for you, Jeff Cobb. Yeah, man, that, that's a monster team, by the way. I don't. I would not be surprised if they had a, a good showing later on in this because those are two big athletic dudes. Yeah, if you guys aren't watching or haven't been keeping up with the lower indies stuff like PWG here in LA, I think Jeff Cobb's got really big potential to go oh, really well, he's, far. He's a star. He's he's Matanza on on Lucha Underground. Right. He's huge in PWG. Like yeah. you're going to see him a lot of places. Um, it's good to see him getting into some of these bigger events like this. Yeah, and I like to see I like to see him have him have exposure in Japan. Him yeah. and him and Cal. Callahan, as uh, both of them, I like seeing them get exposure over there. They could go a long Jeff way. Cobb and Michael Elgin, good God, that's a that's a that's a big team. Of, that's a lot of meat. <laughs> well, if you ever seen War Machine, that's a lot of meat too. That's a big, those are big There's boys. A bunch of bunch of big boys in this uh, in the B block. Uh, let's see, rounding out B block, you've got Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yanu. Shockingly, coming in at one and two. I thought they would have a better showing, uh, but I guess Toriano kind of drags down Ishii <laughs> or something. Uh, and then finally, you have David Finlay, Katsuya Kitamura at 0-3, and, and Hanare and Togi Makabe, unsurprisingly, at 0-3. The veterans usually end up losing a lot, putting over the younger guys. So when is this, this. on? When can people watch it? Uh, I know uh, it's, it's the on, app's almost, on Amazon and the website. It's on, on almost every day. <laughs> they, okay. it's, like, it's like the G1. It's relentless. It's on all the time. I'm having trouble keeping up with all the matches. I'm still catching up because there's so much to do. Uh, but it's on almost every day on New Japan World, uh, NJPW uh, World. Uh, you can find that on .com online. There's a, I believe Amazon Fire Stick has a, has a uh, yeah, an app. Amazon Prime Video or whatever. There's an app for yeah. the New Japan Wrestling. So basically, you go sign up for a subscription on the website, and then you just log in. It's on 999 your Fire yen, which translates to like eight ten, something. Ten yeah, it's a little less actually. It's like eight dollars something with the with the. With the exchange good rate time right to do now. this because right after this, a month later, we're going to have Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. So get in now. This in is New the Japan. last big stop before Wrestle Kingdom, which is going to be a monster event this year. Already booked. We've got it uh, all ends here. It's <laughs> I don't know if it ends or if it begins because it's a lot of good stuff. Uh, Tetsuya Naito is going to be taking on Kazuchika Okada for the the number one heavyweight belt. Uh, you got the U.S. title match, which is Kenny Omega versus freaking Chris Jericho. 
which is madness. And then you've got Switchblade versus Tanahashi. So big, big top three matches. You'll note none of those guys are in the uh, the tag league because they don't want them getting injured. Because the, the the tag league is a, it's exhausting. It's a lot of matches in a very short period of time, and they go all out. Wow! So I don't think they want to risk any of their big uh, matches in this. Uh, moving on, let's the more stuff to talk about in the wide world of wrestling. NWA, we brought them up a second ago. They are on their way back, as we have mentioned before. Billy Corgan has bought them, and he is starting to spin the wheels. the uh, The last NWA champ before Billy Corgan bought it. Was, his name is Tim Storm. He's a 55-year-old history teacher, uh, which is crazy. Mm. But he looks fantastic. The dude looks like your classic old-school wrestler. Uh, and he's out of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Dude is just he, like big old hands. He looks like an old-school professional wrestler. He's been making the rounds now. We're starting to gear up because Billy says he's going to build it on YouTube. He's got a 20-year plan. He's got a lot of stuff in the works. You're seeing Tim Storm do the old NWA thing, go into all the different territories, as yeah. if you will, or now it's the indie promotions, and basically challenge their guy. So Tommy Dreamer has now t- challenged Tim Storm, uh, and so has Nick Aldis. They've both challenged him out of House of Hardcore. Uh, Josephus hit up William Patrick Corgan, as he's being known in NWA, trying to get a title match. So we're already starting to build towards Tim Storm's first defense of the NWA belt. So I'm curious to see where this goes because this could be uh, this could be an an interesting new addition to the American indie scene. Or I should say it should be a return to form for a major uh, a major wrestling promotion. Yeah. Well, that really hasn't seen it kind of lost its heydays in the late 80s. You know, once once the big guys started like Flair left when Flair left NWA and went to uh, WCW. That was kind of the end, the beginning of the end Pretty of much. NWA. Because once he left, everybody else just kind of died. It, it was really apparent just how much he was carrying that company to me in his 30 for 30 special that I watched recently. Yeah, and they were still doing stuff throughout the, you yeah. know, the, the 2000, 2010s. Uh, but, it was just, but it was just such a small... They were all just... They were still an alliance of smaller regional wrestling promotions, but they just were not really... No one really knew who they were. No one was really going to see them. So this could be a big step back to form for NWA. Well, speaking of specials, I hope you guys have gotten to watch the 30 for 30 special over on ESPN uh, because Rick also made a special appearance on a new episode of Table for Three on the network this week. So last week we had the three guys from The Shield, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and this week we had the, they called it the Legendary Rivalries or something like that. It was Ric Flair, Steamboat, and Sting. And not a one of them table. took a bite of their eggs the entire time. Right. Nobody ate a thing. No one ate a damn thing. <laughs> there was no booze on the table. Yeah, unlike unlike the last time I saw Dean on the table for three. I don't I haven't watched the Shield one yet, but the last time I saw him on there back in the day, I don't think that guy said a word without his mouth being full of food. <laughs> I mean, that just plays into his character a little bit more, to be honest. He's living he's living the gimmick. Yep. Also on the network, we uh, it's been announced that AJ Styles is going to be the next WWE 365 special. Yeah, the Kevin uh, Owens one was interesting. Sometime, sometime when we got a little bit more time, I'd like to get into a discussion of how that was because I definitely am, uh, am of two minds of it. I thought it was very well produced, but uh, ultimately a little bit of the company line, if you sure. will. But I'd be, I would love to see one about AJ. That sounds great. In other news, we got to talk about uh, Jim Johnston. Does that name ring a bell to you? Not really. It should. How, do, do the themes to characters like uh, Roman Reigns, The Shield, or Shane McMahon, or Chris Jericho, the Break the Walls Down, Randy Orton, Voices in My Head, uh, The Rock, K-1, 
Kane, Gold Dust, Jinder Mahal's new theme, Brock Lesnar, Mankind, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Those ring a bell. Like the themes, you, you, can you, can you yeah. think of those characters immediately get those themes in your head? He wrote all of them. This guy has been the genius behind the WWE themes for over 30 years. Wow. Pretty much every major recognizable theme uh, at some point was, was, came through his office. Even stuff like Triple H's Motorhead themes, he was there writing it with Motorhead. So this guy, unfortunately this week, has been let go by WWE. Uh, now, part of the reason is because they've got a new producer team who are doing a lot of the modern themes. The CFO uh, guys. CFO, CFO uh, uh, dollar sign, which is uh, John Alicastro and Mike Laurie. Those are the producers who are, who are in that. They're like that team that does that. Um, I'm a little bummed by this for, for a number of reasons. One, obviously the nostalgia factor, the number of themes this guy did, the fact that he wrote full songs. Remember when they used to put out the WWE CDs yep. of, of their theme songs, they were full songs. Whereas this, there's probably a couple of them in that box over there. Probably. Here in my I, room. Well, some of my house, I know yeah. that, but uh, CFO dollar sign. I don't, I don't know how you pronounce that. CFOs, uh, the CFOs. Good Lord. Uh, they, they write really good riffs. Yep. You know they're responsible for like uh, the the authors of Pain that that has a they, uh, most of the NXT uh, songs. They yeah. do most of those. They write really good riffs. They don't write songs so much, and that's one thing that I think is is, is kind of a pity. So I'm sorry to see Jim Johnston go. We still don't know the. It's, it's a rumor still. It's still it's like a, a semi confirmed. Maybe he's rumor. just old and tired of it. And wants to retire. That wouldn't surprise I'm me. Not, he's been I'm doing not going to put it on WWE immediately without some context, but. You know, that dude's been around forever. Maybe he wants to go do something else. Yeah. I, I'll I, give I, him a pass. And again, like, I, I'm sorry to see him go from a nostalgia standpoint, but we don't know the whole story here yet. Just that it's being reported that he has been released. Uh, another thing, really quickly, Sexy Star got in trouble again in Mexico. She started shooting on another competitor uh, who gave her a stiff kick to the face. Apparently, it was a stiff match before that, but then Sexy Star just went in business for herself and started beating up this poor chick. Uh, once again, lack of professionalism on the on the part of Sexy Star. No apology, just making yourself the victim, and everyone's out to get her. I I don't know if this is her new character now or what, but she's still getting booked for work. She's so still getting booked, so yeah, apparently it's not her fault. She will continue to do this as long as she can get away stop with it. Stop booking her if you guys want it to stop. Uh, Progress fifty nine is coming up on December tenth. Obviously, we're, we're going to talk about that when we talk about the finish of the new J, uh, New Japan. Tag League, we'll talk about that because that will have happened at that point. Uh, but the question, they haven't released the whole lineup, but I can have every reason, reason to suspect that Tony Storm and Travis Banks will both be defending their respective championships. So nice. stay tuned. We'll talk about that. Speaking of Tony, I'm uh, planning to go see the Rise Brutality here in, in South Central, Southgate uh, this weekend here well, please, in L.A. Please come back in one piece. I'm going to try. Mercedes Martinez facing off against uh, Tony Storm. You'll have to let me know how that and is, that as is well as our listeners awesome. next week. Yes. I'm going to hit one more quick interesting news note, and then we're going to take her home. The Young Bucks have put it out there that they would like to sell out a 10,000-person arena for an indie show financed by them and Cody. That's been put out there. Okay. What do you think the realistic possibility is of that? Uh... Wow, this is the first I'm hearing about this. I, I don't I don't really know. Okay, let me give you some more facts. Ring of Honor can't sell out anything that size. New Japan, when they're coming to Long Beach over here, they're they're booking a forty four hundred seat arena because they're not they don't think they can pull more than that, although I would argue that they could. Yep. They're they're worried they want to make sure they sell out. So that's the level that they're at. 
do you think that the that with that information, the Young Bucks, Cody could do now? Let's let's say that Young Bucks and Cody start pulling from the Ring of Honor roster and from a little like a couple of New Japan guys. Like let's say they get let's say they get um, Tanahashi to come over or Naito or Ishii. They get uh, some guys from Ring of Honor to come over. Maybe even some some past Ring of Honor guys have, to come out of the woodwork. I have three words. Yep. Location, location, location. Okay, so it depends on where. Right, exactly, and that's uh, that's definitely because they're not going to do it in Corpus Christi. They're not going <laughs> to. No, they're not. Uh, this is this is this is the thing. They have put it out there. They want to do this in 2018. Okay, um, and there's been a lot of people saying that's impossible. You can't do that. First of all, I, honestly, I gotta applaud their balls for doing this. That, that is the biggest step I think anyone's taken to stepping up to the WWE machine and saying, we can draw as well as you watch us. And you know, the, once you start getting the reputation as being able to do that, it's just the, the snowball gets bigger. Here's another added twist. Next year, when they're thinking of doing this, let's say they hold it in Chicago. Let's say that their good buddy CM Punk comes out of retirement, which is rumored that he might do for them. Let's say that at that time, Daniel Bryan, or as he's known in the indie scene, Brian Danielson is no longer under WWE contract and goes and wrestles for them. Now is 10,000 seats sounding a little bit more likely. I think you're what the things you're describing are very lofty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, meaning CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. I don't think all of that's going to come together at the same time. And I don't think they could. I agree with the, the internets and with the general consensus that that's near impossible to pull off in a year. Because you are dealing with, in order to get that draw, you've got to get the big names to go. Tomorrow night at Rise, you've got two of the hottest female superstars in the indie scene in Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm coming to a place in South Central Los Angeles, the hood. And it's an American Legion, and there might be 500 people there. Yeah. And, 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 and you're going to tell me that the Young Bucks somehow magically in the next year are going to... Yeah, yes, Kenny Omega is big. Yes, Cody is big. Yes... The, the the young bucks are big. But even if they rallied all of their Bullet Club buddies together and all of those fanboys of the Bullet Club and girls to bring it together, you might you might get half that. Okay. If so you're you, lucky. So you're saying you're saying they can't fill more than five thousand. I don't I don't even want to put a number on it. Right. I'm yeah. just I'm sitting here going This is what it's interesting to speculate about. Because it's because it's it's a very lofty goal. Yeah. But at the same time, the reason I threw all those figures, all those all those people out there is this is stuff that they are being rumored to be attempting. Okay. If they can fulfill, I think it's a very, very big lofty gold. Again, lots of balls to even attempt it. I think that they could do it if they can achieve some of these lofty goals. If there's, there's certain things that will enable them to do it. You know what I mean? If they can get certain superstars who used to be in a company that drew those kinds of numbers. If you have the kind of cachet that will allow them to... I think it's possible. We have a a long shot. We have a phrase here in Hollywood that we call attached or a word, I should say. (laughs) This is how movies get made for for you guys that that don't know. You have to have a big star or a big director attached to a project before the project gets greenlit. So if they're able to pull off attaching Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, etc. to this promotion then absolutely they can go out the gate saying, we're going to have CM Punk and Brian Danielson and, and yep. whoever else is out there, Tony Storm and all these other people that will be part of this. <laughs> like then, how you threw your girl Tony Storm in there. You know, got to mark out from a girl. What's up, Tony? Um, but 
at the same time, that's that's the way they get it done. If they go out the gate and say, "Hey, we're going to do this," and yeah, we're going to try and get Daniel right. Bryan. Well, that's, what, that's at, again at this point, they yeah. just put out the intent. Yeah. They haven't put out any other information. So, very worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. Lots of speculation to be made about that. Certainly, an interesting uh, proposal from the young bucks and Cody from from the, the Bullet Club from the Elite. Something to keep an eye on. Something else to keep an eye on is the Clash of Champions. It's coming up in a couple of weeks in December. We are going to talk more about that next week after we see next week's Raw and SmackDown, all the developments that go on on those shows. So stay tuned. Come on back next week, and we will talk about those. Head on over to Facebook. Come hang out with us at facebook.com slash BWO podcast, or just come join the Busted Wide Open discussion group. We post some funny memes, hot news stories, all kinds of good stuff on going on over there. You can also hit us up on Twitter at BWO podcast. Come on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar. Sign up to do a shoot promo for your show right here on the Busted Wide Open podcast. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.